This podcast will rule you. Welcome back to the Pool Scene Podcast. I don't want to waste any time this week. The bell has rung, and I'm going straight up to the top rope. In this corner, I'm Kevin Bradway, and my tag team partner is Jim Sabella. Ooh, yeah! Yes, very nice. There are two specific reasons for my excitement this week. First, as part of a cross-promotion, we have special guests joining us. From We Be Rambling on YouTube, we've got Corey and Tunza. Thank you for joining us. How are Woo! you guys? Pretty good. good. How about you? I've eaten cat pizza with these guys. We've thrown pizza out of like a six-story window. The wings were almost nuclear yellow. Yes, we've we've had some good times with these guys. Uh, why don't so so right up top before anyone shuts off this week's podcast? Why don't you tell us about We Be Rambling? Uh, we re- Ramblin' is two best friends. We've known each other forever, and uh, basically we just pick a random topic that we want to talk about, and then we usually get off topic and just talk about whatever. We do, in fact, be rambling. And you guys are brave for that because you do the YouTube route, so you have to be on camera. We are not going to be on camera. I don't have a shirt, shorts, anything on right now. We're all naked in here, to be quite honest with you guys. We are ready to rumble with our nuts out. It's awesome. But you guys do the video route, so you got to wear clothes. Sucks for you. (laughs) The the reason I mentioned anyone shutting this off is actually the second reason that I'm so excited for this week's podcast. And that's because this is our first time covering a bad movie. And I won't even say that it's bad subjectively. I will say that it's objectively bad. If there is anyone who possibly disagrees with that opinion, please reach out to the Pool Scene Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. And if you don't follow us there, please do. If you do already, then you'll know that this week we are talking about the year 2000's WCW vehicle, Ready to Rumble. We just watched this. We got together as a group. We don't understand how we can actually get an hour out of this podcast. That movie sucks so it's bad. It's going to be a stretch. Again, by talking about this podcast, I actually mean we're going to drag it through the mud and we're going to hit it repeatedly with a steel chair. We're going to crown it. Yeah, yeah we're going to crown it. So the year 2000 was a really weird time. I was in high school. I think, is that when you graduated? I graduated in 2000. Okay, Corey, you were I was seven. seven years old. Tunza, you were six? Not seven. Seven, all right. Jim, brother, go ahead and tell us about how we were living in 2000, brother. Well, let me tell you something, brother. The budget for Ready to Rumble was $24 million. In actuality, half of that budget had to have been the soundtrack. Yeah. Because... You play lit twice in that soundtrack. We have Van Halen. We have oh, what else do we have in there? We had um, two kid rock songs. Two kid rock songs. Biff Naked, which is right. a horrible. Yeah, that was so expensive. Horrible for Biff Naked. cover of that. However, the box office for this movie only netted twelve and a half million dollars. And all you have to do is watch this movie for the first fifteen minutes to know why. It's the first fifteen to twenty minutes takes place in a gas station. That's it. Yes. No plot advancement. Nothing. Pure shit. What else happened in the year 2000, specifically April of 2000, a big music-related item? Metallica's lawsuit against Napster happened in April of 2000. Stupid Lars. Ilian Gonzalez, remember the kid that was in the closet, the very historic picture? Ilian can stay. That's right. He was seized by federal agents, and according 
and we're going all with this movie. The new era of World Championship Wrestling begins as Vince Russo, the head writer and booker, takes over and strips all the title holders, and David Arquette, the star of this movie, becomes World Heavyweight Champion at the end of this month on their Thursday night show, Thunder. So, do you guys have any recollection of this movie? Corey and Tunza, specifically. Uh, I remember it from being really young and watching it, but that was the first time I've seen it in probably 10 years. How about you? Do you remember it even, even existing? At one point in the movie, I did recognize it as like a Comedy Central like special, like or late night run. Um, now, are you in agreement with me that it was bad? Yes. Okay. Yes. Kunza <laughs> is short and to the point. When he says something, it matters with just minimal words. Now, I will back up his point that it's bad with the plot. The plot of this movie, two sewage workers see their favorite wrestler, Jimmy King, get cheated to lose his championship belt, which later causes them to crash their septic truck. They take this as fate that they need to assist the king... To regain his championship. Yes, that is actually the plot to this movie. That's the best. You know, this plot was probably rewritten four times, and that's what they landed on. And uh, before we get started with the characters, a really funny, very WCW anecdote about this movie is that this is the movie debut of future WWE superstar John Cena. He makes an appearance as an extra because a scene was filmed at the gym where he was training to become a wrestler. And how ironic and WCW-like that in a roundabout way, WCW had dibs or at least an opportunity to sign a guy who would go on to uh, headline numerous WrestleManias for WWE after WCW was long out out of business. This is when he was still in the gimmick known as The Prototype. If you guys want to check him out on YouTube as The Prototype, it was the weirdest gimmick. He was 50% man, 50% metal. 50% machine. Oh, he's 50% man, 50% machine, 100% pure. It was something. I can't remember. 100% fatality. 100% fatality. So apparently he was a bullshit co- Mortal Kombat character. He was like a Terminator, but he was essentially a cyborg. Uh, so let's get into the characters of this pile of shit. And let me emphasize pile of shit because this movie, essentially, Literally. they doubled down on the mentions of shit. So we had David Arquette as Gordy Boggs, a.k.a. The Law. So Gordy, his dad, his sister, his mom, all cops, and they want him to follow in the family footsteps and become a cop. But he just loves Jimmy King too damn much to become a cop. Scott Kahn as Sean Sugar Daddy Dawkins. He doesn't get that Sugar Daddy moniker until the end of the movie. Till, <laughs> till literally five minutes left in the movie, he becomes Sugar Daddy. Uh, my actually biggest gripe in a bad movie is uh, Oliver Platt as Jimmy King. This will come up in logic, but they cast a fat Shakespearean actor, forty to play year old, the world champion of WCW. Now Oliver Platt's great. No, he's, he's an excellent actor in lots of things. West and Wing, good in lots of things. He's a multiple-time award winner. He's won Golden Globes and Emmys. But fooling anyone into believing he's a wrestling champion, he is not. But people took it hook, line, and sinker, though. Somehow it worked, but it doesn't work at the same time. He's an alcoholic. Throughout the whole movie, it seems, even when when he doesn't drink, he's an alcoholic. He's just really a piece of shit, a character with no... There's no redeeming qualities about him. He's also a redneck that 
every now and then jumps into a Forrest Gump accent. Yeah. So you have Joe Pantoliano as Titus Sinclair. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Another great actor who's probably won awards. I didn't bother to look. He's probably won a couple. I remember him from The Goonies when yeah, I was a he, kid. He was he's a in a bunch of great movies. Honestly, Memento, he's great. Uh, you've got Rose McGowan as Sasha, and in this movie, they managed to take away any attractiveness or sex appeal from her. They happened to make Rose McGowan, who in Scream had this amazing scene of her walking in like a sweater type shirt, which she does in this movie. It was the nipple shot, the hard nipple shot. They made Rose McGowan not attractive, and she looked like a server I worked with at Ponderosa 20 years ago. You make me a little uncomfortable when you mention hard nipple shot. <laughs> well, it's the truth. I mean, I still would have. Don't get me wrong, but it was a hard nipple shot. Okay. Speaking of hard nipple shots, you got Martin Landau. Somehow they convinced him to do this movie as Sal want to wrestle Bandini, and he's all kinds of problematic. Not him particularly, but where he lives... <laughs> And it makes zero sense. The biggest apartment that he's able to fit in a wrestling ring, a giant kitchen. He's able to have all of his living room furniture. Yet somehow, I'm thinking they got him because he was senile. There you go. <laughs> they gave him 20 bucks and a Wendy's gift certificate. And then you've got the old people do love Wendy's, though. <laughs> they do. They go and get their all-you-can-eat chili on Wednesdays. Buck Frosties. Uh, so did you say butt frosties? <laughs> no, buck frosties. Butt frosties. Uh, there were butt frosties in this movie because this movie was the <laughs> butt frosties. <laughs> so then you got a number of WCW wrestlers who appear. You've got Goldberg, DDP, Sting, Bam Bam Bigelow, Randy Macho Man Savage, Booker T, Sid Vicious, Kurt Henning, Rey Mysterio, and on and on and on. Uh, so this week, normally I'd ask you who gives the best performance. I do not give a shit. <laughs> I don't care who the MVP is. What actor in this movie just gives a passable performance? Who's, like, the absolute minimum? What do you think, Tunza? Was his name Scott Koontz? Scott Koontz. <laughs> what? Scott Koontz. I love Scott Koontz playing the role of Sean. <laughs> Might as well be. Sorry. So, okay, so you've got Scott Koontz. How about Corey? Who do you think gives a passable performance? I would have to agree. Everyone else is just so atrocious. I, you know, Oliver Platt, despite, like, switching accents and stuff... I, I like he completely mails it in. I, I think just because it's how it exists, I'll say Oliver Platt. I mean, Jim, what do you got? Uh, this pains me to even say. Is it Sal Bandini? Is yeah. it Mark Landau? Not Sal Bandini. All he basically ever says is Sal Bandini want to wrestle. <laughs> Sal Bandini want to wrestle? <laughs> I was gonna say Jimmy King, but I'm not. I, I don't even want to go to Jimmy King. Like I'm embarrassed to what even about, say. Honestly, the best performance in this movie, and Tonzo, you said this while we were watching. The wrestlers give better performances than the actors in this movie. 100%. DDP is actually legitimately pretty good. And even like Joey Pants is pretty good in this, despite playing a, a borderline offensive Navajo. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the demise of Jimmy King. He will never, ever fight for the WCW again. Long live the new king and reigning champion, Diamond Dallas Page! You let Jimmy? That's your spotlight fading. Why? Why not? You're through. I'm done with you. 
Even Goldberg. See, even somebody outside agreed with the air horn. I was about to say Goldberg wasn't even that bad. Oh, hey, Big Bill. Goldberg, what are you doing, baby? I didn't know you are in town. You're looking jacked. You're looking good. What's going on? Why are you here? What's, what's happening? Doing Letterman. What are you doing here? Preparing for your execution? <laughs> you don't think I have a chance? Get real, Jimmy. Sinclair's extremely pissed off, and he's going to make an example out of you. Face it. You're a second-rate wrestler and a third-rate man. You're still sore about that spot I blew in Akron, aren't you? You were drunk. Oh, Bill, I'm sorry, baby. I was having terrible back spasms that day. You puked on me. The audience liked it. I was your partner. Hey, I made you. One for me, you'd be nothing. Yeah. Oh. Wow. But I even a stretch of that because Goldberg fucking sucked in this too. I guess get into the scenes. Let's find out what made us splash. <laughs> Nothing. So uh, we be rambling. Tons on Corey. What scenes stood out to you? Like what jumps off the page? I mean, we're we're not doing best scenes this week. We're just doing scenes. What scenes are in this movie? Um, I think the first scene that stands out to me is at the very beginning. They're at their job cleaning out these porta potties, and they're talking about it. And he's like, "Oh, I drank too much coffee, so I got to use the bathroom." And for some reason, he decides he wants to prank him. So he hooks, like, the hose to suck out, like, all the water or whatever out of the porta potty which causes, like, toilet paper and everything to get it's everywhere. It's like a toilet paper tornado. Don't do it. What? Don't what me. You know what? Don't do it. Friends don't do it to friends. Okay. If you do it, Jimmy King will get hurt tonight. Don't do it. Okay. Don't worry. I won't. <laughs> Nothing can hurt Jimmy King. That stands out to me because you just finished cleaning all of these. And now you... Not only that, but Scott Hahn's character, Sean, also warns him. He says, don't you do it. If you do it, you'll jinx Jimmy King. He'll get hurt. He, like, literally tells him not to do it, and he can't help himself. But like you said, this is their job. This is like they're done for the day. They've got to drive three hours to go to WCW Nitro. But he's like, I cannot help it. I need to prank my friend. Yeah, I I don't understand the idea behind that. And I could not have been the only one watching this movie. You didn't think he was going to put a vacuum suck on? I thought he was going to blow shit into the border. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they did just clean out all the shit and piss. But like still. Let's be honest. David Arquette in this movie, in real life, we looked. He's 29 in real life at the time of this movie. It seems like they wrote this role to be an 18-year-old, and he's playing an obnoxious 16-year-old throughout this whole movie. Well, we, we talked about that, and that's probably a logic issue, but like the movie we compared this to all watching was Grind. I like Grind. Grind is so Tons good. Of, you, didn't you say it doesn't? you don't think it holds up? No, it still kind of holds up compared to this, though. Yeah, like it, it's it's a top tier movie now. But, but they take two characters in, you know, Scott Kahn and David Arquette, and they kind of make them like they should have been stoners. If they were stoners, way better movie. But instead, they're like twenty five to thirty ish, kind of just losers. Like, aren't they really just losers? Well, like I said during the movie, they are what wrestling fans never wanted to be compared to. Like, that was the stereotype of loser guys still live at home near their late 20s, early 30s, no direction, and they think wrestling is still real. Well, you gotta 
give it to WCW for kind of always <laughs> doing the wrong thing. And when they produce this movie, that's sort of, you know, they, they couldn't help themselves, but played to a negative stereotype. In any wrestling fan out there, WCW in the year 2000 is the definition of dysfunction. Big time. Yeah, we'll talk about that later in the logic section. Uh, Tons of what scenes do you have uh, marched down? Mainly uh, just that whole 15-minute gas station scene. It actually had my best part where I don't remember the context, but the kid brings up how he wants, uh, was it Jimmy King to resurrect his dog? Yeah. Gentlemen, I'm sorry. Listen, Jimmy King is the people's champion. He's immortal. He's timeless. He can raise the dead. Can he really raise the dead? Because my dog Skipper's buried underneath my sandbox. So Scott Kahn's character is telling these kids about how wonderful and amazing that Jimmy King is and all of the things he can do. He's basically turning him into an urban legend. Uh, Yeah, there's essentially... What, 10 to 15 minutes at a gas station where it doesn't advance the plot. It's just like them hanging out at a gas station. I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate, the only benefit in this scene is that maybe you're learning a little bit about the characters. Gordy has a sugar rush slushy dream sleep. It's a fantasy. Yeah, yeah, the movie essentially (laughs) opens, doesn't like open, like hard open with a fantasy sequence, like gives you a couple minutes to learn who the characters are, then does a fantasy sequence. All around bad. Shout out to Ahmet Zappa, too, in that scene. All right. Uh, Jim, what do you got? What do you got on, on scenes? <laughs> okay. So one, the first scene from the beginning at the 15-minute gas station scene, we get a little Easter egg. Gordy's dad played Lance Harbor's dad in Varsity Blues, and Sean plays Scott Kahn, who played Charlie Tweeter in Varsity Blues, who also does a Varsity Blues no, you know, bare-ass scene. It's a little callback. To a great movie when this movie came out, it was only a year earlier, but it will be a movie we end up covering later on in the podcast. So you're saying one of the best scenes in this movie is the fact that two actors were in another movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Also, during that scene, though, he also grabs a whole handful of his dick, like a whole cup. Lance Harbor's dad, damn it, Lance Harbor's dad, Gordy's dad, the cop, totally, and we, tons of pointed this out, Corey did too, he... Tells him, you know, spread him hands on the car, reaches under and just grabs a handful of nuts. Just boom. All right, cool. So maybe that was a bond. But (laughs) that's a other scene that really sticks out to me is they end up going to the taco place where Gordy tries to get the hot chick. And I use that very loosely at the taco place to entice Sean. Welcome to Easy Takeout Burger. How may I help you? Sean wants Britney's taco. The cheese all over. Stop. Poor viewer. I should have smelled it was you. What do you guys want? Hey, Britney, I'm sorry. Can I please have a, uh, 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 a cheeseburger maxi meal? And the Britney Barrett's buffet. Please. The red eyes. What did you say? He said that he wanted the Britney pasta sauce rail. Stop. Did you just say? We're going to pull up now. <laughs> However, they're at a taco place. Inevitably, they end up ordering burgers, and they eat these burgers on the bumper of their Honey Dipper, which is also a sewage truck, while it drips shit out of it right by the food. Yeah. Uh, what did you call it earlier? What, Pepsi uh, slushy? Oh, no. The uh, uh, the Frosty. The Butt Frosty. Butt Frosty. <laughs> butt Frosty. We're coming out with the Butt Frosty shirt. Keep an eye out for our online store that doesn't exist. Actually, that's a good transition because my... F- favorite scene in this movie and maybe the only scene i actually like revolves around that restaurant scene so they pull through the drive-thru and the two girls who are working there which i believe are named what brandy it's and britney, melanie. And, britney and, and wendy 
Brittany and Wendy? Melanie is her real her shoot name, her real life name. Her shoot name. Her shoot name. That's a wrestling term, people. Her shoot name. Her shoot name. It's so, Wendy and Brittany. So Brittany and Wendy are working at the restaurant making tacos, and somehow they have a video monitor of every car that goes through the drive-thru. And while Brittany and Wendy are talking to the monitor, we're also sort of led to believe that, like, uh, <laughs> that Gordy... And Sean can see them, so it's like a vi- it's like a futuristic video ordering system. Was this movie ahead of its time? I no, it wasn't. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is, so they're ordering into the camera, and then Brittany and Wendy in the restaurant are responding to them right back in the camera as if it's a live feed. It's. It's awesome because I've watched fast food employees, and fast food employees absolutely deserve the fifteen dollars an hour they're asking for because what what business like what there's no more mistreatment than working at a fast food establishment. They they absolutely deserve it, but like they just kind of stop what they're doing. And they're just talking to this monitor. It's insane. On a side note, she throws a bag of fries at them. Yeah, it's like a reverse. What do they call that? Uh, where they you bomb in the drive-thru? <laughs> oh, uh, fire in the hole. Fire yeah. in the hole. It's like a reverse fire in the hole where the employee throws the food in your car. Which leads me to when they're eating, when the butt frosty's dripping off the truck and they're eating burgers. This appears to be a taco restaurant <laughs> with fries, but they're eating burgers. So did they get burgers because they the tacos were thrown at them? Or were there just burgers that were being made that we didn't see? I'm not sure. I mean, the only place that I can think of is when we were in North Carolina. They had like a Hardee's that has, that has <laughs> both. Could this have been of like a Wyoming equivalent of Jack in the Box? I or Del Taco, where you could order a know. shit taco and a horrible burger. I don't know. I wish it was El Pollo Loco. <laughs> I do have one more scene. I was looking at my rundown. I totally forgot about. There's one scene in this movie that we all looked at each other when it happened. Sasha, who is played by Rose McGowan, who is the head Nitro girl, who we believed it was a head Nitro girl, but apparently wasn't. She starts getting in with Gordy, so she's working behind the scenes with Titus Ty- Sinclair. Ty- I almost said Titus Sullivan. Navajo Rainmaker Titus Sinclair. She is doing like covert action to kind of get in the way of Gordy and Sean and the King. Well, she seduces them and she's laying in bed. She gets on top. She takes off her top. You don't see her booze, but you know she's topless. Gordy decides to yell, Foreign object! And then punches her right in the fucking face. Yes. Off the bed, drops All right, here's a question for the room. Do we think that Gordy's had sex before? No. He, uh, when he sends that postcard to his dad in the following scene, he says, I'm no longer a virgin. Oh, wow. Good catch. (laughs) I don't even need to ask Tunda then, because Corey (laughs) apparently is the only one who paid attention to this movie. So his first, so later in life, he can tell everybody that when he lost his virginity, he punched a chick in the tits. And here's the thing that doesn't make sense. There was no, not to sound crass, there was no P to V interaction. They were still fully clothed, except she got topless and dropped her. So you're telling me after she got dropped off the bed, she forgave him and got right back on him and started rolling. Sure. Okay. 
I this think movie, that scene never ended. Yeah. Because well, they go to like the window yeah, they and they're like this fighting in the window. Now, I will admit as a virgin like I was for 24 years, would this guy, how he's written, consider him finishing early? Would he consider finishing early not necessarily in her as he lost his virginity? Honestly, the quality of his character, I question whether he would even know what to do. He see, I mean, he's a... I, I'm not going to knock wrestling. You know, there's a lot of wrestling fans, a lot of, like, legit wrestling fans. I'm not going to knock it. But, like, he's a 20-something, not just a wrestling fan, but, like, fully buying in, like, you know, kayfabe believes it to be real wrestling fan who I, I just I don't even think he knows what to do I think she needs to help him tons I have a question for you yay or nay pre-cum yay or nay <laughs> what did he pre-cum yay or nay sure there yes. we go thank you tons I think I think he had ED I also I think, think he's it the worst at all. like wannabe lovable slacker yes. I've yes. ever seen in any movie yeah and I hate these, him. these characters are awful Those they're faces just, they're so <laughs> poorly written it's unbelievable so that's a good transition why don't we get our swimsuits on and get out or actually we had our swimsuits on already what are you talking about i'm naked i swim naked (laughs) naked well why don't we get out of the pool get some snacks cool off because we're pissed about how bad this movie is let's have our pool check pool check So, as you know by now, we cover music videos for the year of the movie that we covered. And I will say, doing music videos from 2000 kind of made covering this movie worth it. I was 16 in 2000, so this is the pinnacle of remembering where you were, what you were doing when all of these songs were out. Thankfully, we've got a silver lining. We can cover music videos from the year 2000 and forget about this movie for 10 or 15 minutes. Kevin, you want to go first? Yeah, I will go first because I think last week you went first. Number five, I have Nelly Country Grammar. This video introduced the world to wearing band-aids as fashion, regardless of whether or not there was an injury present. And it also introduced the world to the city of St. Louis and how they partied. No one had ever even heard of St. Louis prior to this video. Now, I will admit my mom, God rest her soul, my mom loved this song. My mom wasn't into rap. She really? loved this song. But she didn't know what it was called. She also loved Tunza. She, my mom loved Tunza. We could have all been bleeding, hurt, dead on the pavement. My mom would say, how's Tunza doing? <laughs> so my mom loved Tunza. However, my mom used to call this song the song with the rims in it. And she would be like, I'm now boom, boom, baby. No street, sweet sweeper, baby. Cock. <laughs> my mom didn't know the words. Well, it... It's I like love a, you, Mom. It's like all of St. Louis was present in this video, and they paid none of them anything, but they were just happy to be there. Do you guys remember this video? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I seen it um, yesterday when I was looking at some of the videos, and uh, I was like, uh, maybe a minute or so in, and I was like, I'd rather just listen to the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the song was a big radio hit. It was all a right. number one. Uh, Jim, do you want to go next? Do you want Corey to, and the, the uh, Weeby Ramblin' guys to jump in? Yeah, let, 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 them, let them go next. Um, So my number five is Joe, I Want to Know. Um, so I really like this song, but the reason I chose it is because the music video is actually bad, which yeah. is why I think it fit pretty well with this theme. It's uh, all following a theme this um, week. But at the very beginning, there's like it's like a fight between a girlfriend and boyfriend. It's super like robotic and chunky, and I hate it. And uh, right after that, he just walks up. Like the dude's not even ten feet away from her. He walks up and he's like, "Hey, like here's my phone number." And then he calls her, but on his TV in his room is her. 
So he's also like stalking her in some weird way. See, in the year 2000, they were all about like strange technology that didn't exist. He just had her on his TV, even though that wasn't a thing in 2000. The amazing thing, even though we're talking about music videos, that song alone is such an amazing sexy time song. Let's be honest. I, what the lyric? It's like, uh, I want to know, I want to know. But this is, I want to know what turns you on. You on. Yeah, yeah, of course. I want to know what turns you on. All right, Jim. Okay, so my number five is a banger. A huge banger. Bangers and mash. That's right. At the start of this century, there was one amazing song that had to do with the booty. That's Cisco's thong song. This song had nothing but ass Baby, make booty everywhere. Go. And at the time, Cisco started breaking away from Drew Hill, which dun, 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 dun. I think Drew Hill was such an underrated <laughs> R&B <laughs> band. So Cisco like said, hey, what the hell? Go. I got an idea. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so Cisco decided, you know, I'm going to go out solo and I'm going to go crazy and do the thong song. And now this video is that, you know, late 90s, early 21st century, bright colors and bright ass. Bright ass? Bright ass. <laughs> there bright was ass. bright ass. And this is before the era Damn, of Damn, baby, thick. you got a bright ass. <laughs> this is before the thick era. However, before this video... Remember Juveniles? Back that ass up. Back that ass up. So this was, in a way, the indirect sequel to Juvenile's ass song. So Cisco's thong song, still an amazing song for white women 35 and older (laughs) at any bar. Yeah, I remember this video. There's a bunch of uh, women laying on the beach, and he's kind of like cartwheeling over them. It's uh, it's pretty rad. I used to put this anytime I'd make a playlist. I'd make like a bunch of serious songs and then thong songs. So I'm convinced Cisco's only what five two five three. Yeah, he seems like a showdy. He's at a the, he's a huge nerd. At the beginning of that video, his like kid brings him a thong that his like wife girlfriend, and then he like goes into like it's a, a fa- shock. Yeah, or something. It's a family he thing. He says something too. He does like a talk down part right at the intro of that song, and it's something like we're gonna show them what they're really talking about, or something. It's something like that, and it's like thongs. That's what you're. <laughs> that's what you're showing them. What you're really thong like. song. You have to remember with thongs in this day and age, it was the. The whale tail. The whale tail yeah. was the huge it's thing. It's insane to think about. We were in high school and girls were literally wearing jeans, like, but their thongs would be pulled up over their hips. The whale tail. So their their thongs would literally be outside. It was so strange. I mean, I don't know if that'll ever come back, but uh, you guys were like seven, so. Yeah, too young for all that. <laughs> uh, my number four video is Incubus Drive. And it's like a modern take on AHA's take on me. He's like drawing the video as it's happening. Incubus actually had three videos in 2000, which tells you kind of where they were living on the charts. They had Drive, they had Stellar, they had Pardon Me. All great songs, but the best video of the three, in my opinion, was Drive. So, Corey, why don't you go ahead and give us your number four? Uh, My number four is Blink-182, All the Small Things. Yeah. So, this video is basically them making fun of a bunch of other videos. Yeah, so this was essentially them mocking the boy band videos. But really, they were getting such heavy TRL play that couldn't you argue that they were a boy band? Yeah, I would say they they were. They were a boy band. They just were different type of music. It was number one on TRL. Yeah, it was just, they were a boy band. It was just different type of music. All the all Blink's videos at that time kind of held up. Like uh, Adam's song, What's My Age Again, which was the iconic one. Was that 99? or That was 99. One? Yeah. Because before this was Dude Ranch and then this. Yeah. So who we got next? Uh, Jim, you got me? your number four. four. So number four 
for me is an incredible song that odds are I'll get shit for, and I don't really care. Because I associate this song with when Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open in 2000. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. And ESPN did a montage for him winning the tournament. And I've been looking for that montage this very day. I still can't find it. Scott Stapp leading Creed, and the song is called Higher. Yes. Now, it comes across as a very religious song. I don't see why you would think to the contrary, because it is. And people like to shit on Creed. I get it. Creed were the pre-Nickelback, just about. They were the pre-Nickelback. The Nickelback came along, and they became the new shit-bagging Creed. But Scott Stapp's voice, almost is like Eddie Vedder's voice. I know. That's a stretch. Can you dig me? That's what he sounds like. Who the fuck was that? That's what he sounds like. He's uh, Mine was better. A, a rib, <laughs> a rib burn off near you. Uh, he's a solo act now. Uh, Creed actually, I, I don't want to spoil this because I know Jim, you probably had the other one at number one, but Creed also had with arms wide open. I did not have any which, more Creed. Okay, on this list. so which one with arms wide open and higher? One of them was like took place in like a uh, green room and it was kind of like a herky-jerky video. It was with arms wide open. Okay, and then Higher was the one where he's sitting on the mountaintop. Yes. And he, I, I guess the lyrics say that he's, he thinks he's going to be a dad. Is that right? I just heard the news today. Seems my life is going to change. I always thought that that was... That's arms wide okay. open. That's arms, arms wide, wide open. open. I always thought that lyric was about becoming a dad. Am I right? I thought it was. Uh, who knows? What the fuck? It only depends if so, you loved Creed and if you love Scott Stapp and you had a Stapp I like, infection. I like Creed, the movie about Adonis Creed, the Ro- in the Rocky series. Creed two was okay. Yeah, it was okay. Creed yeah. one is better. Anyway, my number three was also Blink One Eighty Two, all the small things. So we won't mess around and talk about that anymore. Corey, why don't you give us your number three on behalf of Weeby Ramon? Tonzo, ah. you're being pretty quiet. You never seen a v- music video in your life. <laughs> He's afraid of it. Not prepped for this. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so for number three, our pick was Three Doors Down, Kryptonite. So the premise of this video is an old guy watching a superhero like montage video on his TV. A couple gets in a fight in his like the hallway of his apartment. He pulls out an old suit and then he just runs around town and then he eventually jumps through a window and lands on him. <laughs> wow. He's also in his underwear. He's also cape. underwear too. There was so there was um there was two songs about Superman in I don't know if both of them were in 2000, but right around there you had that one kryptonite and then you had five for fighting oh they're oh, two yeah. different songs yeah. <laughs> i don't care they're the same yeah i don't even know what that song says but it sucks they're both about superman it's Jim, a doctor's office superman i love superman as we can stare at the wall of solitude as i'm looking at it right now but that song sucks <laughs> that is a doctor that's a song you find out in a doctor's office that you just found out you had crabs <laughs> like that kind of bad level song <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not as bad as, like, you're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to go in, but he was like, hey, something curable. You're You're Superman. I got rid of these crabs. shave your pubes. You're good. Jim, let's hear your number three, and hopefully it's about crabs. Oh, it's not about crabs. I can assure you. My number three. I'm going to find a way to work it back in crabs. I don't know how you're going to work crabs into this next one. Now, I can remember buying this CD my senior year of high school. The day I got crabs. (laughs) No, did not have crabs. This album I wore out, I had to buy twice. Linkin Park, One Step Closer. This was their first hit off the album Hybrid Theory. It showed the world how amazing Chester Bennington's voice was. Rest in peace. 
gone way too soon. The rap ability of Mike Shinoda. Linkin I'm Park. One step closer to the edge. And I'm no, I got crabs. <laughs> <laughs> I think Linkin Park revolutionized a lot of things. And looking back on it now, I look at it with reverence. This album, Hybrid Theory, then they came out with Meteora. Linkin Park was an amazing band. This is a great song. I always listen to the song when I played Need for Speed because it was a great Need for Speed type song. You couldn't race. avoid this song. No, this song was, was everywhere. It was on pop radio. Hot 101. Yeah, it was, it was on pop on, radio. The music, the video was everywhere. It was on you WMMS. avoid it. It was definitely a big hit. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a good transition to my number two video because Linkin Park made an album with Jay-Z because they were contractually obligated. My number two video, Jay-Z, Big Pimpin', baby. So this is a party on a yacht, beautiful people, expensive food and drinks. What's better than that? This is like a sun-bleached like party video on a yacht. And it's a great song. I always wanted to understand. I never understood the one lyric where it's Big Pimpin' on B-L-A-D's. I don't know what that meant. What's a blad? Blades on rims. Why doesn't he say B-L-A-D-E-S? I don't know. <laughs> I never understood what blad meant. <laughs> like a big pimpin' on my BLADs. Like it's uh, something a pimp would understand. Yeah, it's good. Exactly. I'm no pimp. You're no pimp. I'm no like pimp. Sean, whatever in this movie, Sean uh, Sugar Daddy. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, Sean Sugar Red Daddy Rumble, Dawkins. Which I unfortunately forgot we were covering for a couple minutes. I he wish sure we were had just cramps. doing this. But uh, I like the lyric where he says, Eat so many shrimp, I got iodine poisoning. Bun B. That <laughs> doesn't beat that. What an amazing rapper. Rest in peace. Corey, what's your number two on behalf of We Be Rambling since Tunza is it's, being quiet? It's bad at this. Um, so this might be Jim's number one, but I chose for our number two, InSync Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> that is one of the best videos, and that song is so catchy. Even if you don't like like pop boy band music, that is like the most catchy song ever. Yep, I know the dance. Yeah, they had a couple. I mean, they were... So Still, I, I would say there was a pretty big transition towards metal and new metal at this time, but the boy bands were still holding on. Now, at this time, when No Strings Attached came out, I think it still holds the record for most album sales in a weekend of 2.4 million. It eclipsed Backstreet Boys' Millennium that came out the year previous. Okay. So, and of course, nobody's going to buy 2.4 million albums anymore that aren't digital. Too so. much just talking about being a virgin until 24. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you. Is there a correlation between everything? Hey, you I'm a said? big InSync fan. I'm yeah. not afraid to admit it. Nah, I had the I had the low blonde cut Caesar haircut like Justin Timberlake. So I did what I tried to to get some ladies, and it let's didn't. Bring ba- I, I would work. say let's bring back the Caesar cut, but you can't grow hair. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta we gotta entertain ourselves somehow because this movie is terrible. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? We're on uh, Jim's is it my, number two. Jim's number two. <laughs> Blink-182, all the small things. Next. (laughs) All right. My number one, and I'm so glad I got to be the first to talk about this. It's Mudvayne Dig. You got the bugle-faced ladybug motherfucker. So this video, I only picked it number one is because it took on a second life as a meme. And it's kind of like iconic for the wrong reasons. So the, the singer... So this... Let me preface. This is a face paint band. If you don't know Mudvayne, they're a face paint band. Now, the bass player like looked like a devil. Pretty cool. He's like making some crazy faces in the video. Pretty neat. The singer had like a four foot long 
bright blue beard and bright blue hair and like silver face paint. And there's like a meme where instead of the first scream he does in the song, they replace him with like a different scream. And there's like a million of them. There's like, but the best one's like the Kermit the Frog, where instead of like this, like, you know, metal scream, it's just like, ah. (laughs) But why I said bugle face ladybug motherfucker is because the guitar player looks kind of like a ladybug. He's got like the Liberty Spikes. He's all red. He does nothing but robotic movements. But there's actually a making of this video. They took like bugles, like like the potato chips bugles. <laughs> they stuck them to his face and they airbrushed them black. He literally has <laughs> bugles stuck to his face. How metal is that? That he's got bugles stuck to his face while he's acting like a robot. I want to watch that video right now. Just to get the taste out of Ready to Rumble out of my mouth. <laughs> Corey, number one. I'm pretty excited to see what Weeby Ramblin' came up with. Uh, our number one is Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. Okay. So that music video is them in a video game, which if you know me and tons of pretty well, um, we're super big into gaming, so it's, we're just bound to love it. And the song is so catchy. You know that song? I know the know song, but I don't I think this is going to be our first episode where we don't discuss Aerosmith, except for me mentioning Aerosmith right now. <laughs> But Red Hot Chili Peppers, in a way, are like an Aerosmith-type band. They just kind of like... They're like a fungus that doesn't go away. <laughs> I, just, I I hate the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? I never liked them. You don't like Under the Bridge? No. Okay. Never liked like, them. Uh, Soul to Squeeze? I don't know. Only time I ever liked Flea was in e- when he was in Back to the Future Part 2. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, what is your number one song, Mr. I Hate the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Well, it was going to be in sync, but I, I did an audible. So I'm going to go completely, completely, somewhat left field. Soul Decision featuring Thrust faded at my number one. That's a stretch. That's a super. Well, in sync would have been my number one, but I'm trying to vary it so I don't have two songs that I'm already playing on this edit. Soul Decision's faded. Video kind of sucks. It's your basic video, but the song is incredible. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna go. You I'm gonna go through. Basic video. I know basic. you warned me against this talking about the uh, honorable mentions, but let me go through some of them. We had fuel hemorrhage. We had DMX party up, which is up. Oh, in I forgot here. about that one. Up so in good. here, vertical horizon. Everything you want. Faith Hill breathe. Santana Maria Maria. Santana. Unfortunately, I love the story where at Woodstock he was on LSD, and the entire time during his performance. He thought his guitar was a snake that he would like wrestled. So his like entire set was like him wrestling an imaginary snake. Uh, has nothing to do with Maria Maria. We had Destiny's Child to two videos, Say My Name and Jumpin' Jumpin'. Uh, sync also had It's Gonna Be May. It's gonna <laughs> be May. BB uh, Mac back here. How did you not pick that? That video is not great. Okay. But the song's amazing because uh, we're picking music videos. A good video is Eminem, The Real Slim... S- Real Slim Shady. I would have taken which, Slim Shady. <laughs> which also has a reference in this movie, unfortunately. Godsmack Voodoo. Godsmack had a couple videos in 2000. Deftones Back to School. Coldplay Yellow. You're a Coldplay fan. Yeah, I like Coldplay. Uh, lit Miserable, which is like uh, Pamela Anderson Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Head PE Bartender. Uh, just to talk about Head PE a little bit. They're like a pierced up metal band. I saw them live. They skateboard on stage and stuff. Prior to that, the singer was in a band called The Clue, where they wore like spandex and it was like a synth like flock of sea i don't even know how to describe it it's crazy look it up yeah that's about it you forgot one big song what was it 98 degrees give me just one night yeah. Una noche. Una noche. That's was that, right. their, that was like their last hit. that was off revelation that, that was off their that's pretty much third album 2000 was about the end of the boy bands wasn't it it went from 97 to 02 
with in okay. Sync's last album. Yeah, they're all getting uh, Vegas residencies and doing they're some making that money though, tours, man. So I, I don't feel bad for them whatsoever. Drowning in the Poontang pie. So everybody, let's take your bathing suits back off if you want to get in the pool. <laughs> everybody, back in the pool. All right. Before we move on to logic, who would you cast to play Jimmy King instead of Oliver Platt? I. Oliver Platt playing Jimmy King is my biggest problem with this movie. Makes no sense. He's a fat Shakespearean actor, and it was like, was this the only guy who would actually sign on and agree to play the role? Why they got Oliver Platt, I have no idea. But I want to know, if you were to fantasy cast this movie, who would you cast? Now, we're going to consider that this was the year 2000. Like, not if it were remade today, because... Hopefully that never happened. But if you were to cast this movie in 2000, who would play Jimmy King? Tons of, I'm going to ask you first. I think Zach Galifianakis would have been a good play for him. He just would be a little too short. Like, yeah, he was in Out Cold, and he was funny, but this was like before Live at the Purple Onion, and before, obviously, The yeah, Hangover. Yeah, he was not really, really known at off. all. But, like, but he would have been better than Oliver Platt. Yeah, just give him some boots or something. Make him stand <laughs> taller. <laughs> what about you, Corey? Let's uh, um, stick with the Weeby Rambling. Well, guys. I couldn't really decide on one person, but it's a wrestling like corporation. Why didn't they just use an up-and-coming wrestler? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be, especially because we mentioned earlier, like Tunza said, the wrestlers gave better acting performances than the actors in this movie. So why not just like get the perfect tie-in Take a lower card or unknown wrestler, put him in the movie, and then you've got perfect cross promotion. As soon as the movie comes out, that actor slash wrestler who's playing that role takes that character and just goes on TV. It's I thought of a perfect WCW 2000 wrestler that played Jimmy King, bouncing off of Corey, Chuck Palumbo. Yes. Chuck Palumbo would have been perfect. Yes, absolutely. They could have made Chuck Palumbo... Jimmy King and could have just launched him further. Super athletic. I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely would agree with that. I said Jason Lee. He had done Mall Rats. Uh, he had done Almost Famous around that time. Jason Amy? Yeah, he would have yeah. done it before he this. Done on yeah. Kevin Smith stuff. I, I think this was pre My Name is Earl. Also a professional skateboarder. Also, so he's athletic, and I think he's a lot bigger and more believable than Oliver Platt. And then I said Jason Patrick, like Speed Two. He would have been like in his thirties. He could have played the role. He at least looked better than Oliver Platt. Now let me transition that, and specifically Oliver Platt and his athleticism, into logic. I. I don't understand specifically in this movie why, like, so we didn't talk about it in plot, but they screw over the character of Jimmy King. He goes into a wrestling match thinking it's a fake scripted match, but they beat him up for real. They pin him for real and they take his championship belt. He asks the promoter why, and the promoter just says, why not? So we go on to see that, Jimmy King is like an alcoholic, a deadbeat father. Living in an RV. He's, that he stole from his parents. Yep. He's really a pretty bad guy. Filed bankruptcy three times. That's okay, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand, though, why when Titus Sinclair, like when Jimmy King says why, Titus Sinclair could have just said, you're old, you're out of shape. You're a fat piece of shit. You're an alcoholic. Shit. 
You've got to get your life together. We've got an intervention scheduled for you backstage. Why in the world did he just say, why not? I want you out of WCW. <laughs> that was it. The thing is, though, the way this movie is so badly written, you nailed it right on the head. You're old. Look, look in a goddamn mirror. Look at you. Now, like, for instance, I would have thought Woody Harrelson would have been perfect for this role because I don't think he would have said it to Woody Harrelson or even Matthew McConaughey. Just the thought. <laughs> Think about Matthew, because he could do the accent. Like, hey, I'm right here. I'm Jimmy King. I'm Jimmy, baby. All right, all right, all right. He could just be David Wooderson. You know, and and to extrapolate from that point, none of these characters in this movie deserve redemption or good things. Nope. They're all, I mean, what what is, there's there's no sympathetic characters in this movie, other than maybe Scott Scott Kahn's character as Sean, who at least goes through a progression where, he really wants to be with Melanie at the beginning of the movie, but it's only Brittany. because I, <laughs> her real name. I don't care enough to know. He only wants to be with Brittany because of her looks. Yeah, she's a hottie. She's hot. She's, she's the a, McDonald's hottie. Hottie's perfect. Two, year two thousand. Hottie's a term. So he only wanted to be with her because of her looks. But her friend Wendy is like a big WCW fan. Sean, you think King's gonna put a hurting on Diamond Dallas Page? Yes, I most certainly do. And trades a blowjob for what? What's he give her? A T-shirt of the Hard Rock. Cafe. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, right. He gives her a Hard Rock New York T-shirt. <laughs> he gives her a Hard Rock New York T-shirt, and she says, "I got something for you too." And, and then he had sex in a in a Goldberg WCW <laughs> comforter. Yeah. He also got kicked out. Why didn't they get dressed before that? And why was the RV already driving? Off? Exactly. Yes. Million. Yes, abs. One hundred percent. Yes, but anyhow, it, so he goes through like an emotional growth where he decides, you know what, I need to be with Wendy. She's a WCW fan, and that's everything I want in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, well, you know, if I were to make a list of my perfect girlfriend, the only thing that I wrote down was WCW fan. Here's the thing about Wendy, though. She's not like, I mean, she's cute. She's not like ugly or anything. She's not fugly. She's cute. Well, we've been talking about for a couple weeks about what happens after this movie. If he's going on the road with WCW, he doesn't stay with her. No, he's getting ring rats. Yes. Big he's time. Banging the nitro. Crabs. Mm. <laughs> crabs. crabs. <laughs> yes. He's going to scrape those crabs off. All right. So I don't want to hog the logic section. Who else has got something to talk about with logic? The whole movie. Yes. <laughs> the entire um, movie. But right, right off of you a little bit at the beginning when they take out Jimmy King. Four people jump on the top ropes and they land on him. I don't know how he's not that big, and none of them touch each other, and they all like they would crush him. The they one w- guy completely missed. Well, they in the they, frame. Well, they do the the flying headbutt off the rope, and in wrestling parlance, you're kind of not directly supposed to hit them because there's no way they could have done a four person splash. Well, but let me, but let me. Talk about that. So this movie blurs the line between kayfabe and kayfabe is literally means like covering up the wrestling business, like protecting the business as to what's real and fake. So it blurs the line because we see in the DDP and Jimmy King match that they're calling spots. So they're telling each other what moves come next. Meanwhile, Sean and Gordy live in kayfabe. Yes. They believe it's real. You all know it's just a show, right? Best show in the world. You like dancing. You know? <laughs> It's a, it's a circus show with dancing. Right. Dancing clowns. What you got here? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> A little soap opera thrown in. And this clown just got fired. That's all it is. No more wrestling, fellas. Right. Uh-huh. Listen to me, you pair of dumb shits. I ain't no king. There never was no king. 
The king is a fake creation. Okay, I ain't even a has-been. I'm a never was. You got it? Stupid. So Titus gives the si the signal to DDP to start actually beating up Jimmy King for real. So if they were to do that diving headbutt, they would actually want to kill Jimmy King. But like one, like you said, he misses completely. It's just weird because it's like, were they not in on it? I, I don't even want to think about it that much, honestly. All right, I have one more logic thing, and it's kind of a small one. Before they start going around with Jimmy King, they love to drive the Honey Dipper around as if they own it, and they also don't drain the shit out of the tank of the Honey Dipper. Is that not a biohazard issue? I have... Um, Jimmy spends the night in a sewage tunnel, which he doesn't seem to want to leave, but as they're standing, you know, they're recovering him, they hear a scream, and they just, like, wander into this building where Sal Bandini runs, like, a wrestling school on, like, a 6th, 8th, 10th floor of an apartment building with a wrestling ring in it's it. It's a massive studio apartment in New York City. Yeah, and it's it's just really strange. They just, like, hear a scream, wander in, and then you find out, like, Sal Bandini, like, they called him, but how did they know him? Well, they said they trained with him. Who? Like, at the point, um... His at name. the porn. At the uh, Wait, at the Gordy, barn. Gordy and them. Yeah. Oh, the Wyoming barn when they were. Yeah, they about were ready they to go to Royal they Quest. It yeah. They're like he's like, or when he's like hitting on the girl. Yeah. The, he basically says we. Uh, they've been training us too. So I think oh, Matt I totally beforehand. So then why didn't Sal Bandini smarten them up to the business? Like why on not on day one? Now the old school way to do it in wrestling is you didn't smarten your students up until later on. Like you basically made them learn all the holds and locks and everything. And then after a while you're like, hey, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is actually none of this is real. So they trained with Sal Bandini, but they didn't know I, who I don't. Again, not worth going into. I also have one more logic issue. I'm looking at my notes. I totally forgot. They come across. Chuck Sherman from American Pie playing a Jimmy King video game that's just a It's Jimmy just Jimmy King. It's, it's not WCW. Nope, just Jimmy King. It looks like it was made in the movie Virtuosity in 1995. They end up befriending him, going back to his house, what it looks like an Angel Fire website of Jimmy King where he's able to get FBI-level information for Gordy and Sean. I don't know that hacking was that like intricate at that time. Not at all. He went to a website that said Hacking Planet. Yeah, yes. he went to the hack <laughs> yeah, he Hacking hack Planet. He just went to a website. It was an hackers. Angel Fire or GeoCities equivalent where he probably searched on Alta Vista to get information on Jimmy King's financial situation, his kids, where he lives. Who the hell back in the day would have put that on an Angel Fire site? And even if you did, it would take three days to load. His dad, they're telling him to be quiet because his dad's home. He's making wrestlers hump each other. Yes. The other one's listening to NSYNC? Yeah. Britney no, he's Spears. listening to Britney Spears. Britney Spears. And it's just like he's, they're jamming out, but like these guys are like 29. And he they're says, like later 20s. And he says, we have to be quiet. My dad will call us pussies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, his dad has some, some bigger issues. So uh, I, have, I have one, but it's. I don't know if it's really logic, but when they're traveling, they go from like Wyoming to Atlanta to New York. Yeah. And every road trip they take, they pass the same <laughs> barn. Yeah, that was called WCW logic, <laughs> where they just couldn't be bothered to make it make sense. They also never referenced like the smell of the characters. No. Like the entire time. They, I was waiting so for that. They basically, okay, so the journey of this movie is they drive their septic truck 
straight to nitro after work. Why? This thing gets four miles to the gallon, and it's literally full of shit. They don't, we're assuming drop, well, actually, we know for a fact, they don't drop the shit off anywhere. They drive it full of shit to, which, when they have to hitchhike later on, spoiler alert, they, it says they're like 130 miles, so they're a good two hours from home. So they probably drove three hours to this show. And you have to remember, they end up tipping over the shit which truck. Which is how we know it's not empty, because yep. it drains this movie loves shit. He also loves the smell of it because it smells so like French toast. Yeah, I got uh. a big shit fetish in this movie. Anybody ever taken a dump and it goes, man, I want a breakfast food. I'm going to get in there and eat that. Uh, so they, yeah, they, they drive the septic truck. They tip it over. We still don't know whether they own this business or they work for someone. Yeah, they pretty much go straight on this journey. So they wreck the vehicle. They pretty much hitchhike directly from there. Which their clothes are then clean, but I'm, I'm not even going to talk about like uh, inconsistencies. So they pretty much hitchhike straight to Atlanta from Wyoming to go find Jimmy King. So yes, they would smell horribly unless they took a shower at Sherman's house. But even if they took a shower at Sherman's house... Can't take a shower. My dad thinks you're a pussy. <laughs> yes, a diamond upside down is a pussy. They also met those guys, the New York City like sanitation guys. Yeah. Because they're, they're like, how'd you find them? Like, we're in the business. <laughs> What? Yes. There's a shit union. They <laughs> it goes see to shining she. They she compare each other's seat. smells or they something. They wear brown uniforms. Yeah. Uh, so at this time, WCW World Championship Wrestling, they were kind of like hemorrhaging money for a number of idiotic reasons. They were paying people anywhere from $250,000 to over a million dollars a year just to stay home. We talked about how much they were paying Michael Buffer to do Monday Nitro every week. $100,000 per performance. Yes. Because why not? I'm Ted Turner. I can just do that. But uh, they were they were paying people to stay home. They were just wasting money and hemorrhaging money. But every time I think about this movie, I can't help but wonder if WCW hadn't lost more than $12 million on this movie, do you think they would have maybe survived a little longer, made it through, anything like that? Or do you think that the writing was on the wall either way? I think the writing was on the wall either way, but we don't really know how much WCW poured into this movie. Yeah, yeah, they could have lost a lot more than 12 Now, Brian Robbins, who directed this movie, who some of you older people, as in myself, can remember him acting like in Head of the Class and such. So maybe the studio said, hey, we'll give you this amount. You give us your wrestlers and access to your brand. We'll cut you a check. Maybe they did it that way. I don't know. I just, I, I tend to wonder. I mean, WWE had already taken over in the ratings war and WCW made this movie as a way to like, recover some of that fan base but like come on yeah like, let's recover it with Oliver Platt it's it's sort of like the movie we covered last week The Wizard where it's like why you have an opportunity to showcase something you did it in the wrong way I mean this one was framed with a bad movie The Wizard was just they took something like Nintendo and Mario 3 and framed it around a really dark movie and dark content I, I guess that's it for logic. I don't really think it bears talking about anymore unless somebody's got something that's really eating at them or killing them to discuss. So why don't we get into what's the legacy for this movie? None. I would say none. I would say WCW died, was purchased by WWE. It had nothing to do with this movie, really. I'd say this movie literally has no legacy. I can't think of one thing that ever will last this movie. Like, I well, totally forgot actually, about no, this movie. No, I will say, David Arquette... 
Okay. Out of this point. movie, won the WCW World Title. That he didn't want to win. Now I told we all talked about this before we started recording. David Arquette did not want to be World Champion because he thought it would denigrate the meaning of the title and the brand. He was forced to become World Champion, and to his credit. He wanted to do this the real way, so he went to wrestling school, he learned to trade, and now he wrestles on the independence. Yeah, this this title, I mean, obviously was held by Ric Flair, all the legendary names in the history of the business, and then David Arquette won it. If not for this film, that would have never happened. So I would say that may be the only legacy for this movie. Yeah. It's not really a movie I would ever recommend or... No, I I won't even ask you whether you guys would recommend this movie (laughs) because honestly, if I were to say, would you recommend this... If somebody asked me, would you recommend this movie? I would say... Watch Grind instead. Or watch get out, Crabs. Watch Out Cold. There was plenty of like lovable slacker movies. Yeah, there were like road trip slacker movies at this time. Or if you with, want wrestling movies, go back into the vault. Watch Body Slam. Watch Body Slam. No Holds Barred. Okay, yeah. No Holds Barred. The theme song is the best bass line of all time. <laughs> and there's uh, there's that one was about shit, too. It kind of shits his pants in that Dookie. movie. What is it with wrestling movies and people <laughs> sh- shitting? What drink pairs well with this movie? I'm going to say Arsenic. A big old glass of arsenic. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you watch this movie, I would suggest doing it under the influence of alcohol. You're going to need a lot of it. So my pick is whatever you can buy at a convenience store, usually in a clear bottle with a knockoff name that's usually borderline offensive. And the instructions for that alcohol are to just twist the cap and guzzle it. And going with the theme of the movie, in the first 15 minutes of this movie, they took place at Virtual 7-Eleven. Get a big gulp, get a slushy. Mix that SOB with some Alki, drink it, have a dream about meeting Jimmy King and Goldberg and Ahmet Zappa, and then you'll feel like you're in the damn movie, and you'll be ready to rumble with your friends, and then a woman will climb on top of you, get topless, you'll yell foreign objects, and then punch her in the fucking face. I don't want any of that. (laughs) What do you guys want to drink while you watch this movie? Uh, From the movie itself, when Jimmy King pours a, like, I don't know, convenience yeah. store alcohol and shot glasses. He takes two shots and two raw eggs. But then he spits, and the, then he spits the raw eggs out. That's so what you I drink that, when you that, watch I this movie. I guess that's the part of it is you take the two shots, you take the eggs, you spit the eggs out, but the shots stay down. Totally saying a Ford Loco because it's all about disappointments here. Yeah, yeah, completely. So with that said, I mean, we're kind of winding down, wrapping it up. Do you guys want to plug your show? Um, yeah, so you can catch us on the We Be Rambling podcast on my YouTube channel at Riseigo, which is R-E-I-S-I-G-O. Um, we are in the process of making a Facebook page, so keep an eye out for that. Nope, sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds good. Just listen or watch We Be Rambling. Uh, yeah, it comes Jim. out every Tuesday. Um, we try to do it around the 11.30 a.m., but it last one kind of got screwed up. Jim, what do you got to plug? And I'll do the normal spiel for all you guys. Make sure you follow us. And like us on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe, rate, follow. Make sure you rate, guys, because that will stalk us. us. Stalk, pretty much. (laughs) Make sure you guys rate, guys, just because it's easy for the algorithms to find us and it'll put us higher up on the search list. So make sure you like us at Pool Scene Podcast on Apple and Spotify. That's where we are. Send us a message. Let us know what you think or what movies you would like us to cover. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. We would like some suggestions. I think we've got a pretty big list. And we do, again, have some pretty exciting things coming up, some different things we haven't done yet. So keep an eye out for that. Here, I'll recommend yeah, we'll a movie, Three Ninjas. High, is it High, what? high Noon? High Noon. It's High, high Noon. It's Mountain. It's yeah. in the title. High Noon at Mountain. Don't is Paul it Hogan. High Noon at Magic Mountain? No, it's not. No, it's something. Mountain. It's High Noon at <laughs> some Mountain. Go, somebody keep talking because I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Because I want to know. I think it's great. They well, had, I think well, it's high why, why are you recommending it, though? High Noon to Mega Mountain? Something like Mega that. Mega Mountain, well, brother. <laughs> we were talking about Hulk Hogan movies earlier, and that's one Three of them. Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. Yes! <laughs> oh, you were right. But that movie uh, had the trope of adding 3D effects, like, really poorly. Like, that's the rise of 3D. It's just... I don't know if he even holds up. It's I remember watching Victor his kid. He just watched something good. You mean Egg Shen from yes, Egg Shen Big, Trouble, from Little Big China. Trouble in Little China? Exactly. Nice. So maybe we will watch that. Maybe we'll just watch it for fun and you guys don't get to listen to that one. Uh, <laughs> so let me then say uh, thank you for tuning in. And Jim, because I know you will hate this, rather than queuing the cars, cue Biff Naked. We're not going to take it to take us out of this one. Thanks, everybody. Hooray!